You're listening to the River City Church Podcast. Our desire is that you know Jesus, experience freedom, find community, and discover purpose. For more information, check us out on social or visit us at rivercitychurch.co. Here's the message. So Genesis 18 is where we are today. We're in a series called The Impossible, and we're talking about faith. And, and we've, I gave you one verse out of this chapter last week when we did a message on worry. If you missed that, you can get the message on, online on our podcast. But I want to start with Genesis 18. Uh, the, if you've taken notes, the title today is Carriers of Promise. Carriers of Promise. Here's what it says. Genesis 18.1, God appeared to Abraham at the Oaks of Mamre while he was sitting at the entrance of his tent. It was the hottest part of the day. He looked up and he saw three men standing. He ran from his tent to greet them and bowed down before them. And he said, master, if it please you, stop for a while with your servant. I will get some water so that you can wash your feet and rest under this tree. I'll get some food to refresh you on your journey, on your way, since your travels have brought you across my path. And they said, certainly, go ahead. So Abraham hurried into the tent of Sarah, his wife, and he said, hurry, get three cups of our best flour, knead it and make bread. Then Abraham ran to the, ran to the cattle pen and he picked out, I like this. Anybody like barbecue besides me? Like to grill? Okay, they picked out a nice plump calf. Come on, uh, I'm ready for lunch. Okay, uh, and, and gave it to the servant who lost no time getting it ready. In other words, they gave their best. He found his best to give to these strangers. And then he got curds and milk and brought them with the calf that he had roasted, set the meal before the men and stood there under the tree while they ate. Now, this is not an unusual scene in that culture in that time. No, generally nomadic, but they were very hospitable, would welcome people uh, and, and provide meals and all of that. But I, I just want to point this to, you, to, to this setting because Abraham is probably in the hottest part of the day because he's been working all day and now he's resting and uh, it's not convenient to invite these strangers. It's not convenient to get up out of the shade and, and go prepare a meal, not just any meal, but the best he has to offer. It says that they hurry, they rush, they got it together quickly because they, they, they wanted to, to be gracious to their guests. And, and while this is a, an act of hospitality to strangers, Abraham doesn't even recognize yet what's about to happen because these aren't three ordinary strangers. In fact, this is actually what theologians call, a Bible scholars call a theophany or an appearance of God. It's a pre-incarnate appearance before Jesus came in the flesh. This was an appearance of God on the earth walking among people. And there's few accordances of that throughout the Old Testament. And oftentimes, you know, God's presence would show up in great dramatic ways, like in the Mount Sinai account where it came down with fire and smoke and they couldn't see any form, but they saw the glory of God. And God is, 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 is glorified in the great and, and dramatic, but he's also glorified in the subtle. God moves as much in the big as he does in the small, as much in the things as we would recognize are obvious miracles and also in the things that are subtle moves of God. God's walking and, and, and he's coming with two angels. He's, he's coming through, passing them and, and he, he, he comes as a stranger and they re, Abraham reaches out and we'll know it's God in just a moment, but I want you to see this because Abraham sets the table. Do you know that your life and mine, when we pray, we're setting the table. When we worship, we're setting the table. 
when we give to God, when we serve and love people, when we build his church, when we do what we're called to do, we're setting the table. More importantly, when we spend time with Jesus, we're setting the table. We're putting God first. I I know a lot of times in our busy life, our busy schedules with kids and family and work and responsibilities, it's easy to get caught up in the busyness and miss the first thing, miss the most important thing. C.S. Lewis said that if we don't put first things first, but instead put second things, if you put second things first, you get neither the first nor the second. But if you put first things first, you get both the first and the second. What does that mean? When you put God first, in every area of your life. When you put God first, it actually enables you to be able to have grace for the day, grace to be a parent, grace to do your job, grace to build your business, grace to be the man and woman of God he's created and called you to be. God cares about the big dramatic stuff. He cares about the little things. He cares about everything, but it starts with us putting him first. Abraham set the table. And that's what we do when we prepare our hearts to, to meet with Jesus be with him in prayer, to be with him in, 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 in whatever we're doing, getting in his word. See, I think it's important that Abraham got out of the shade in the hottest part of the day to set the table. My experience has been that often God will put destiny just outside of my comfort zone. I, I know we've made comfort a God in our society. <laughs> we really have. But, but, when, when God's first, sometimes there's a, there's a push just past your comfort zone to do what God has called you to do, to put first things first. And that can be as practical. I don't know if you're not a morning person. I'm not a morning person. Up all night, sleep all day. I could do it. Well, I could when I was younger. Anyway. But you know what I found? If I just go to bed a little bit earlier and get up a little bit earlier that time with Jesus before I've started my day, before I've done anything else, sets the tone for the entire day. It postures my heart. I talked about worry last week. Instead of worrying, my heart's postured in faith. And no matter what comes in the day, I'm already, it's not over my head, it's now under my feet. And that's where we have to start. I just wanna celebrate every person that, man, you, you got out of your comfort zone even this morning just to be here. You got your kids ready. You, you, you rearranged your day just to make room and put God first. That's so important. Do you know Sunday is not the last day of the week? It's actually the first. It's not the end of the week. It's the start of the week. And so we're setting the table for God. We're starting there. Verse nine, it says, the men said to him, where is Sarah, your wife? And he said, in the tent. And one of them said, I'm coming back. This is when things are about to shift from the ordinary to the extraordinary, from the natural to the supernatural. And here's what God has to tell them. One of them said, I'm coming back about this time next year. And when I arrive, your wife, Sarah, will have a son. If you don't know Abraham and Sarah's story, their miracle was that God would provide them a son, but they had been unable to have children. They had been unable to have kids, and God had already spoken to Abraham, which I know he told Sarah, that one day they would have a son and his name would be Isaac, and God gave them that promise. They were promise carriers. But God gave them that promise, and it would be 20 years, in their case, before they saw Isaac come. But before that happened, here's the scene. They've had that promise for a while now. 
And now God says, I'm coming back about this time next year. And when I arrive, your wife, Sarah, will have a son. Sarah is listening in the tent. She's overhearing. She's eavesdropping the conversation. And as she's listening, here's what it says, verse 11. Oh, here's what it says she does. Let's look at verse 12 first. Sarah hears this. You're going to have a son. You're going to have a child next year. She laughs. Now, now, she's not unfamiliar with that promise. She heard that promise through Abraham. She got it secondhand, though. And you can't have faith just in secondhand promises. You, you have to get your own word from God. I, I believe we should encourage one another, lift one another. That's what our groups provide, an environment of faith. But you've still got to get your own faith. You, still, you can't live off of secondhand faith. Secondhand promises. And here's what Sarah does. She, she, rather than having some great response of, oh yes, Lord, finally, the time has come. Thank you, Jesus. She doesn't sing a song. She doesn't worship. She doesn't celebrate. She doesn't go, finally, the time has arrived. She laughs. And, and, and she laughs, it says, within herself. So they, they couldn't hear it, but she's almost going like a, uh, yeah, sure, right. That'll happen. And verse 11, I had to skip. This is why. This is the message Bible. I like the way it words it. Um, Abraham and Sarah were old. Oh no, it doesn't pull any punches. They were very old. I like the King James, advanced in age. I'm not getting old, I'm just getting more advanced. Sarah was far past the age for having babies. So Sarah laughed within herself, verse 12, an old woman like me, how can that be? (laughs) This is my favorite part. Uh, How can an old woman like me get pregnant with this old man of a husband? (laughs) Like that's her response. Not a shining moment of faith. Let's, Let's just be real. You know what our problem is? I think sometimes we put limits on God. We put limits on God. I know maybe somewhere filed deep down, we, we know that God can do anything, but we've long since allowed disappointment to frame our theology, to frame our view of God. We've, we've let what didn't work out the way we thought it should work out. I, I mentioned this last week, but faith is primarily focused on the who, not the how. When our faith is, God, you're going to do it this way, and you're going to do it in this time. When that happens, we oftentimes find ourselves disappointed. Not because God isn't good or God won't do the promise, but because we've defined for God how it should be and how it's going to happen. And, and when it doesn't happen like that or how we think it should work out, we end up having disappointment. And if we're not careful, that will poison our view of God and cause us to put limits in our faith. And we limit how we see God and what we, we stop praying great big bold prayers. We stop believing that God can do anything. We, 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 we lay those, and we end up in a place where our hearts become hardened by disappointment. Even worse, I think we've, in our culture, we've begun to develop this identity crisis. And people have an identity crisis in a lot of areas, things shaped by morality and by culture and by all these different forces and views. But you know one thing that's been a part of the human story for a long time is we also tend to take things that God says are temporary and we think they're permanent and so we make them a part of our identity. I'll never change. 
I'll always be addicted. I'll always have a temper problem. I'll always, and we go through the list of things we think are permanent when God says that's supposed to be temporary. We've got our diagnosis and he's the healer. We've got our financial need and he's the provider. We've got, we've got whatever it is. And, and rather than going to God's promises, the Bible has 7,000, something like 7,400 promises. I forget the exact number. Some are unconditional. That means God's going to do it. He's going to be God. He's going to do whatever, regardless of you and I. And then other promises are conditional. And a conditional promise means we do something and then God does something. We do what we're supposed to do and he does what only he can do. But either way, the Bible says the promises of God are in Jesus, yes, and amen. That means they're for you. So that's why it's so important. Well, how do I know what God's promise is? We've got to know God's word. I know a lot of, most people, honestly, they're intimidated by getting into the Bible. They're intimidated, but the reality is God's word is full of promises. And as we read his word, the Holy Spirit makes them come alive. Yes, the Holy Spirit. Today's the day of Pentecost. You know that? Today's Pentecost Sunday. And 2,000 years ago, the church started on Pentecost Sunday. And somewhere along the way, we, we push the Holy Spirit aside as something unnecessary because we like what we can do on our own. But listen, we can't do what we need to do on our own. I can't be the father I need to be on my own. I can't, I can't even be the, I can't do what I'm called to do in my relationship with Jesus without his help, without the power and leading of the Holy Spirit. And that includes reading God's word. Some people read the word of God and they just get information, but it doesn't change them. But when you allow the Holy Spirit to be the author, to teach you, to guide you, to lead you through his word, stuff is gonna begin to come alive, including promises. And then you take those promises and allow that to be the foundation of your faith in what God is gonna do, because God will do what he said. So um, verse 14, God's response to Sarah his response to Sarah, I love this, is anything too hard for the Lord? I told you that was the theme for the series. Is anything too hard for God? And, and I already told you the spoiler last week, no. In case you didn't know the answer to that, nothing is too hard for God. So whatever you think is impossible right now, whatever you've determined is permanent and, and unchanging, God says that mountain will move. It has to move. But faith is what connects us to the promise of God and connects us to the promise giver. And so, so here's what it says, is anything too hard for the Lord at the appointed time? Not your time, not my time. At the appointed time, he says, I'm gonna return to you and according to the time of life, Sarah shall have a son. And this part, I don't know, this is probably the least spiritual part of the whole uh, passage, but I love verse 15. Sarah gets in an argument with God. God told Abraham, uh, I, I think I missed the verse. What do you say? Verse 13, God said to Abraham, why did Sarah laugh? <laughs> she laughed within herself. Like they didn't hear it out there, but God knows. God knows she was kind of had that, oh yeah, sure. He says, why did Sarah laugh? Look at verse 15, I love this. Uh, Sarah denied it. Um, God, I didn't laugh. <laughs> but she was afraid. And God, I like this. God goes, oh no, you did. Is anything too hard for the Lord? It starts with a promise. It starts with the promise of God's word. God's word, his promises are yes and amen in Jesus. I've got a couple quick points. I'm gonna give you three today. Number one, find your footing. Find your footing. 
Uh, Charles Spurgeon, great preacher from 19th century, said this, faith without a promise would be a foot without ground to stand on. So that's why you've got to get promises from God. You've got to get his word. You've got to allow the Holy Spirit to lead you, teach you, guide you. And every person, you may think, well, that's not for me. Every person in here, religious or not, having been to church your whole life or having never been to church, you have a promise over your life. The Bible calls them exceedingly great and precious promises, but we only find them in Jesus. And we find them in a relationship with Jesus. And just like Abraham in setting the table in relationship, God begins to unfold and confirm and then deliver on the promise. But there's this space in between. The place where God gives us the promise and where the promise is fulfilled. There's a space between where we've prayed and where the answer shows up. I call it the tension of faith. And tension's not a word that we like, you know, usually if you're in a conversation and it's tense, it's uncomfortable. But tension by definition means stretching tight. And you know that space in between where you are and where God's called you to be and where, 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 where you've prayed and where God's going to bring the answer is a space of tension in your faith where God stretches you, grows you. And I think it's also the place where most people give up and quit. It's a place where people allow disappointment to define them instead of faith. Listen, I want to be 99 years old with more faith than I have right now at 38. Faith should grow, not decrease. We go from faith to faith. But the only way that can happen is if I don't allow the tension in the middle, the tension of faith to break me. Instead, I allow it to make me into who God has created and called me to be. We find our footing, Hebrews 11.1, 1, faith is the assurance. We think faith is like a wish. Like, you know, uh, Pinocchio, I'm going to wish upon a star. That's not faith. Faith is confidence. It's assurance. It's not maybe. It's this is who God is. This is what his word says, and this is what he'll do. Now, faith is the assurance. That word assurance means literally the title deed or confirmation. So when you, when you buy something, uh, let's say a car, you buy a car, pay cash, or after you've you know, filled the loan, you get a title deed. You buy a house, you get a title deed. The title deed signifies the price has been paid and you own it. It's yours. So if I have a title deed to my house, I have a reasonable expectation that I now own the house. So I can go to that house anytime I want. Are you with me? It wasn't super complicated. It wasn't your question. If, if I have a title deed to a car, paid in full, it's been paid for, this is mine, I have a reasonable expectation that I can drive that car anytime I want. And that's the way God's promises work. Jesus has paid the price. And he's given us a promise, title deed, faith, and we think, faith, we, we, we think it's good, and I, I know it's good, when the answer comes, but faith is as confident before the answer comes as it is when the answer shows up. Because it's not based on circumstances, it's based on what he just said and who he is. Second one, I'll go through this quick. Number two, you know, I, I've got some people in my life, I, I don't know, are, are any of you like direct people? You can be honest, like I'm direct I know I can ask you because the direct people have no problem saying, I'm direct, yes, absolutely. And, and the thing I hear most from direct people, and being direct is not bad because being direct, you never have to wonder where they stand. 
That's a good thing. Just don't like leave a trail of bodies behind you, direct people. <laughs> I'm just direct. That's and the thing I hear the most is I just say it like I see it, or I call like I see it. And that's fine. But you know when it comes to faith, you know what we need to do? We need to call it like he says it. We need to call it like God says it. No matter what our situation is, we look at our circumstances and we call them impossible. God says, no, that mountain, that's easy. That's a walk in the park for me. That, 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 that thing that you think is impossible, that relationship you think is hopeless, that God wants to redeem and restore, that, that diagnosis that you say is unrecoverable, that Jesus' word, his word says, with his stripes, he's, you, he's healed you, that you look at the promise of God, you look at the needs you have in your life, and his word says, my God shall supply all my needs according to his riches and glory. And so when I take that promise and I go to God with it, I don't complain about the problem, I call it like he said it. Third and final point. Third and final point. Grow through the tension. Jason, if you want to come down. Grow through the tension. Do you know every promise actually has a process? And some of those processes are short, and it's as simple as me praying, and God, when I've seen God answer a prayer like that, That process is about me learning to trust that I have a God who's there. He's faithful. He didn't leave me or forsake me. Because in those moments when I pray and I don't see the result right away, I need to remember that God is still there. (laughs) God is still there. And he's still working. And he's still going to do what he said he'll do. It's good to remind yourself church. It's good to remind yourself of what God's done in your life. Make a list. Write it down. Take the promises. Maybe you've got some prophetic promises. Take those. Paul told Timothy, a spiritual son, wage warfare with the prophecies made concerning you. In other words, don't just write them on a note card. We used to get cassette tapes. Anybody old enough to remember prophetic cassette tapes in church? Yes. Thank you, Jesus. I got them. At the, I was at the stage in the church when they gave out cassette tapes, but I didn't have a cassette player. You can find them in museums. Anyway, I'm kidding. No, I'm kidding. My first car actually had, I was buying up all the cheap cassette tapes at church because I was the only one who could play them. Okay, so, so here's, here's what happens though. We need to re- remind ourselves of the promise of God. I, I, I love this. God spoke over Israel when they went into captivity. He said, after 70 years, I'm going to return and bring you back. And Daniel you know Daniel lines. Dan, Daniel's reading that one day. It's in his book, in his letter to Daniel. He, he, he's reading it. I think it's in Daniel 11, 10 or 11. He's reading it and he goes, oh, we're supposed to have restoration at 70 years. You know what he does? He prays. He says, God, this is your promise. And he begins to intercede. He begins to pray the promise of God because he doesn't have to convince God of what God's already promised to do. He's reminding himself, and he's reminding in faith, God, not because God forgot, but that's what faith does. Faith brings to God the title deed and says, this is what you said. And I have an expectation that you'll do what you said you'll do. So I'm gonna praise, I'm gonna thank God. I'm gonna, I'm gonna worship, I'm gonna trust. I'm not gonna worry and have fear. I'm gonna walk by faith because I have a God who's faithful. I found my footing on the promise. I'm calling it like he said it. And now I'm growing while I'm waiting. 
I'm growing in faith. I'm growing in trust. I'm growing. Promise carriers get stretched. But you know what it does? You know, my faith has been stretched over the years, but there's stuff that in my beginning of my walk with Jesus, they used to stress me out that I don't even think about anymore. Like there's much bigger stuff that I'll face now. And I, I, could, I could give you a laundry list of some things that seem impossible, but I, they don't move me like they used to move me or things that, because I've been stretched. And you, and you may feel like the stretching right now, I can't take it anymore. I can't wait any longer for the promise. You're being stretched. Can I just tell you something? The bigger the tension, the bigger the promise. Would you stand to your feet? I want to read this last part of Abraham and Sarah's story. And you may already know that God provided the son, Isaac. But three chapters later, Genesis 21, it says, and the Lord visited Sarah as he said. God's going to do what he said. He will. He's just looking for somebody that'll believe. Have faith in his promise. Follow him. Trust him. Can I just say this? If you don't think you have a promise, don't, don't worry about trying to find a promise. I mean, get in his word. Study his word. But here's what I want you to know. Just get to know the promise giver. As I pursue Jesus, the result is he begins to unfold his promises because he's good. <laughs> like if, if, if you see God and don't see goodness, you're looking at God the wrong way. You're not looking at the God of the Bible. The most, I think, simplest, but one of the most powerful worship songs in the whole Bible. Let's repeat a couple times. The Lord is good. His mercy endures forever. Look at Jesus. Look at his goodness. The Lord visited Sarah just as he said, and the Lord did for Sarah as he had spoken. I'm gonna do something next week as a church to help us position our faith. And I'm believing we're gonna see God in very specific ways answer prayers and promises in this room. But I want you to see this. Verse six, Sarah, after she's had Isaac, after she's received the prophetic promises answer, it says this, Sarah said, God has made me laugh. Oh, not like she laughed last time. Not, not, not that scoffing, oh yeah, sure, kind of laugh, but a joyful celebration of an impossible situation being turned on its head, of a miracle taking place, of, of her receiving what she thought, there's no way. In that 20 year span, when God first gave the promise, there was like a 5% chance of it happening. Now there's zero without God. He made me laugh. And all who hear will laugh. Here's why. Look at this last verse. Verse seven. She also said, who would have said to Abraham that Sarah would nurse a child? Who would have said? Do you know, I think you're gonna laugh because there's gonna be some people that are gonna look at your story. They're gonna look at the promise that seemed impossible and they're gonna Say, who would have thought? Who would have thought God would use that person? Who would have thought God would help them overcome? Who would have thought they'd ever be free? They'd ever be whole? <laughs> you know, my favorite thing 
one of my favorite things is to see people come to Jesus. And one of the benefits of us being a, a smaller town is people all the time say, I never thought that person, come on Jesus. Like, like that's the church. We're full of, I never thought that person. That's me, by the way. That's all of it. That, that. <laughs> Let's give God the promise and let him do what only he can do. I'm gonna ask you to bow your heads, close your eyes. We're gonna be out of here in just a moment. I wanna pray for two things. We trust this message encourages you in faith and in your relationship with Jesus. To learn more about River City Church, find us on social or visit us at rivercitychurch.co.